0: Take your Bibles, uh, if you want to, it's in here. But if you want to mark this, sometimes people like to study uh, the Bible um, like for yourself so you can mark things in your Bible or underline things. Uh, I've done a lot of New Testament, and that's what I've realized. And I was going through different uh, things that I would like to share. And, and I, there's a number of things with Jonah that I just connected with, okay? And so Jonah is not one of those can, uh, characters in the Bible or if I was to ask you right now, tell me what's, what's so popular about Jonah. Jonah. who would tell me what's so popular about Jonah? He's swallowed by well. a swallow well. Okay, so it's like, just so you guys know, but that's just, that's just part of it. When we went to Sight and Sound Theater, and I know I reference that all the time, uh, the first one that I ever attended uh, was Jonah. And I'm telling you, they brought the story alive in such a way that I, I couldn't wait to teach and preach about it. I, I just was so excited uh, and I got to see it twice, and it just touched my heart. Uh, but this first one that I wanted to kind of just do this understanding of, of under uh, getting into the mind of Jonah, of why why did he do what he did? Because I think a lot of these guys get a bad rap un, unfairly. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like Jonah was a sissy, and he ran from God. It's like, no, he was a man of God. He was, he was bold and he, he was a great guy. It, I mean, it's, it's just like Samson. We talk about Samson's fall. And, and I always bring this out. I said, I think the thing that bothers me most about Samson is we don't talk about the fact that he was a judge for, of Israel for 20 faithful years. We just think of him as the bad boy that's, you know, that fell into the, the, the hands of Delilah and, and ruined his life and, and died in the rubble. And I'm thinking, no, there's a lot more to his life, but we just kind of highlight those things. But I think about this fear that he had because that's what he did. He, he ran in fear. He didn't understand this. He didn't, just wasn't afraid in denying what God wanted to do. Uh, but I just started thinking about the, the fears that we have. And I want to compare this. So you guys tell me, what is something in life that you're afraid of? I mean, and I'm not talking about, guys, don't get me wrong. I mean, I mean there, there's things we're afraid. I'm, 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 I'm afraid that it might rain on Saturday because I have an activity or something like that. That's not the fear that I'm talking about. I'm talking about fear that grips your heart, that keeps you up at night, or or something that when you get it, it distracts you so bad that you can't think straight. There's some things that really grip you. I I want you guys to know that what was happening in his life really gripped him. When I was a kid, I had a deep, deep, deep fear of tornadoes. Uh, I I did. I grew up in the South. I lived through a number of tornadoes, Um, and so... Uh, We had a number of times, I remember leaving one time when we were driving somewhere, and they were sending out the police cars and fire trucks through neighborhoods because we didn't have the sirens. Like, I I know that sounds weird, but if you've ever seen the movie Twister, has anybody ever seen the movie Twister? Okay, the movie Twister, their whole thing was there's not enough uh, advance notice and and people were dying. And that was literally where I grew up in, in, in like a hurricane, or a hurricane, tornado alley type place. And I've, I've lived through a number of tornadoes. I was in a tornado one time uh, where, where, where we were leaving one time, and I was told, we passed a fire engine, and, and they had the sirens going, go to your homes, go to your tornado shelters. And we had a house, and then we had a tornado shelter outside. No, no, I don't think I've ever seen a tornado shelter here in Ohio. But a lot of houses had tornado shelters, and it was like a shed that was built out of concrete that the dirt was built over, And we would hide inside that thing. I mean, that was a legitimate thing that was right next to our house. And as we were driving to it to come back from where we were, there was a twister that flew over our head. Uh, So it was a funnel cloud that never touched down, but we watched it literally go over our property. I was at my grandparents' house one time, and there was a tornado going through, and the wind was so bad that you couldn't see and we saw things flying around, and we literally were standing there, and we watched my grandpa's barn get ripped up and flew away, just like you'd see in the movies. We physically watched that. We picked up pieces of the barn two miles away from the house. It was, it was serious stuff. So when the sirens would go on, or you're watching the TV, and they would say, not a tornado watch, but a tornado warning, warning that meant one that was sighted. And and I just remember being gripped by that, that I couldn't sleep and I'd be scared to death. And that was a legitimate thing. Fear is real. The the idea of something happening that is out of your control. And I guarantee you in Israel right now, in these places where there's bombs going off and you don't know if you fall asleep, if you're going to die in your sleep, or if your parent you're going to wake up and half your family's gone or something like that. Uh, Fear of losing your job when you're the sole provider, fear of someone that you love that is sick, or fear of failing or, or, or uh, having to speak in front of a crowd or something like that. I, I think a lot of us can identify with these things. But the Bible says, here's the thing, and you say, why are you doing this? I thought we were doing Jonah. I, want, I just want us to get this idea of this because the Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We're going to start with that. We're going to end with that. Uh, but the Bible doesn't just say fear, but the Bible talks about a spirit of fear uh, something that kind of gripped your heart, a presence of fear or a mindset of fear, an oppression of fear. I, I can honestly say, and I'm not going to get into it, but I've gone through that with Logan. I really have. I've yeah. gone through a series of things just that I, I feel like a dark cloud over me and, and you can't shake it. And, you know, when he had his cough and, and, and I could hear him coughing all through the night and I knew that there was cancer pressing on his heart and lungs, it, it just, it really messed with me. But it's not something you can kind of turn off and on. So fear is powerful and it will have an effect on you. So let's get into Jonah. I know we know this story pretty well, but Jonah was told to go preach and he didn't want to go and he ran from God. The storm comes, they throw him overboard, the whale comes, they swallow him up, three days in the whale, spit him out, he goes and preaches in Nineveh, then he's upset about it. But the question that I'm asking is, why did he run? And if you were in his shoes, would you do the same thing? I mean, that, that's the truth of the matter. It's just like, if you were in shoes, because it's quickly, if God told me to go do something, you, you can get upset with Jonah all day long. But how many things does God tell us to do that we don't do? That's right. And in the reason, well, I have an excuse. Well, let me tell you, he had really good excuses. Mm-hmm. He had really good excuses. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's get into this. Now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. And cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You know, there's, there's a lot going on in these opening verses. And God knows that Jonah knows what he's going to face. Jonah was a man of God. He was a prophet. He was a messenger of God. He loved God. He served God. But uh, So you know that most of the time that God rose up prophets, he rose up prophets to preach to their own people. So I'm telling you right now, if God came to me and said, Tony, and I said, yes, Lord. And you know, like... I've got this message, and I want you to preach it, even if it was controversial, or even if it wasn't popular. Be like, yes, Lord, I'll go, and I'll preach that, and I'll say, turn your Bibles on Sunday. Th- that, that's one thing, okay? That, that's what he did. But let's say God said, Tony, and I said, yes, Lord. He said, rise up and go preach. Yes, Lord, I'll do that. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, let me go into the church and preach whatever you say on Sunday. He goes, no, I want you to go to preach to Hamas or ISIS. Oh, wait a minute. God, they hate Christians. <laughs> like, and they say in their charter they want us obliviated. They, they want us dead. And they don't just kill Christians, they torture them. You want me to walk in there and just boldly start preaching? So you got to know, when, just in the mindset of this, that this was a very violent people. Uh, it was, it was, this was not just preach on Sunday. This was go to the enemy, go to the ones that despise you. They were, uh, t- twisted and, and there, there was, there was stories told about how the people in Nineveh would actually take people and skin them alive. Wow. So it's just, it's very twisted, it, it, you know? So, uh, he, he was like, Lord, they hate us. They hate everything that we stand for. I and mean, that's not even the side of it of, Lord, they don't deserve it. You know, we know that that was part of what he was dealing with, um, on top of this, they were a strong city. When it says that great city it was estimated to be eleven miles wide and eighteen miles deep, it was estimated to have around fifteen hundred towers? Described to have people having over six hundred thousand. And and he's saying, go on and go unto him. And now you've got to understand, like just saying with us, the Lord where the Lord came unto journey. He called out to him, "I'm I'm going to do this." So there's this struggle with. I know that God is in this and God's calling me to do this. But man, it just doesn't add up or make sense. And it was, it was tearing him apart. But the thing is that God had a plan. Anytime that God's going to call you to do something, God always has a plan for it. So that's a struggle when people say, do you believe God? Yes, I believe God. Let me just throw out some illustrations. Do you believe God? Do you? Yes, I believe God. But then God says, I want you to tithe. And people are like, well... I know, but, and then we start making all these excuses that it just doesn't add up or it doesn't make sense. And then you're just like, well, if I was Jonah, I would just do it. Well, how many things does God say, trust me, I've got a plan, and we still don't do it? It's the same thing in different contexts, but it's the same thing. Except we're not talking about being skinned alive or, or something like that. And, but remember, God does his work through people. God does his work through calling us. And, and so uh, when we get upset about, I wish that God would bring revival to America, maybe God's waiting for us to be surrendered to, to, to bring revival to America through the things that he calls us to do. So here's the response, okay? And, and I want you guys to think of this in the context of this map. Uh, but Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish and from the presence of the Lord and he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish and he paid the fare thereof and he went down into it. With them to unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. So, um, if you guys got the map in there, I want want you guys just to point out some things. Uh, Do you notice anything about Nineveh and Tarsus? Yeah, it's like opposite direction. It's like, if you think about it, he looked for a boat that says, how far are you going? If somebody would have said, you know, like halfway, not far enough. Where are you guys going? Tarsus? I'm on board. Let's go. Get me as far away as possible. You know, he's just running in the opposite direction. And it's it's so funny how that's natural reaction that, that we do uh, in a thing like this. And, and I, I think a lot of us can identify with the story of Jonah way more than we could David. Okay, David went out there and there's Goliath. What did David do when he saw Goliath? He threw rocks. At him. Well, he threw rocks at him or threw a rock at him. And that's a good point. But the Bible talks about he jumped up and ran. You know what I'm saying? That confidence. And we love telling that story. And, you know, we get up on Sunday and everybody's like, hey, man, make me a David. But I'm telling you, the truth of the matter is we're more like Jonah's where it's like, oh, nope, I'm out of here. And we run the opposite direction. That's more what's going on. He, David ran to the battle and he's running from the battle, and in chapter 4, verse 2, which I won't turn there, we'll get to that, he feared what was going to happen. All of these things. He said, Lord, I knew that this was going to happen. I was afraid to face them and all these things. And it talks about his heart of the fear that he was. I, I think one of the greatest battles that we face in life is just fear. I, I, we, and, and, and trust me, when the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind, that literally means that it's not of God, which means it needs to go. To confront it is if that's not right, it shouldn't be there. And if I was to talk about anything else, if we were to talk about uh, drugs or alcohol or these things that tear people apart, it's like, it needs to go. But we talk about fear, and we're like, well, we justify that, it, and it's not a matter of us not having fear. I, I don't think there's such a thing as nobody like like an absence of fear. I'm like really if. I've had situations where, you know, I couldn't find Morgan one time in her car. And, and it was a long story of what happened with that. And I was, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. And GPS at the time showed her a phone in the middle of a lake. You know, just like, just, and all it was is her phone was off. And it, just, it was just a terrifying situation. But I can tell you, my fear level went like whoo, out the roof. And it has an effect on you. And I want to show you this. Um fear will turn us in the wrong direction. This is human nature, and Satan loves to use this. When we're afraid, we run. We don't, when we don't understand something, we run. When we can't fix something, we run. Uh, fear will mess with our minds. It's a mental battle that started working in his mind. So I want you to know, in order to go to that extreme of getting on a boat and going to the opposite direction, he wasn't like the Lord told him to do something it's like, ah, I'm out of here. You know, that's how we tell this story. But you guys know when you hear something and then the, 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 your mind starts stirring and things start you know, building up in your mind and the what ifs and all these things. Your mind drives you crazy. And you start thinking of things that are not actually happening or not actually that, that might even could happen, but your mind will already gravitate. And you're living in that mindset of the fear of a situation that you're not even there yet. And I, I'm preaching to the choir when I say this. Or we struggle with our minds. We think of the what-ifs. And, and I, think, I think we battle with this all the time. And then we start running. And when I say running, for Jonah, he physically ran. Okay, he physically ran. But for us, I think it's not physically, but it's spiritually just not doing something or going the opposite direction that God puts on your heart. Uh, avoiding a, fixing a conflict with somebody or family or friend. You know, you have a fallen out or you have a problem with somebody at church or at work or a family member or, you know, an in-law or whatever. And then it's just a matter of like, I'm not going to go to that party. Well, why aren't you going? I just don't feel like it. Whatever. No, you're not. You're running. Mm-hmm. You, you're fearful of that conflict and you don't know what to say. And it's easy to avoid it than it is to confront it. Mm-hmm. Or if God calls you into a ministry that you've never done before, or God calls you to do a mission trip, or God calls you... To, to When we're signing up people to go into the prison to, to do a testimony or whatever, or somebody comes up and asks you to do something like that, oh, that's not me. It's like, you know, we're, we're running from God. It's the same thing. It's just uh, this was a different situation, but it's the same thing. We're running from different things that God's called us to do. The only way that we're ever going to replace leaders, and we talk about the leaders, you know, that we've lost in our church, and I think of John Alexander and uh, Ethel Fairchild, we just had her service, uh, service and, and people like that. Is when God takes them home, God raises up the next Timothy to follow after Paul. God takes, raises up the next uh, Joshua and, and the different people that the Barnabas and things like that are going to follow after. And every person in here, every person that's ever been called, I guarantee these guys that are called in ministry and ordained pastors, when we first call, am I qualified? Can I do this? Am I good enough? We battle with these things. But remembering who called him. We think, I'm afraid. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I don't think it will work out. I don't see how this will work out. But I want you to notice this. And, and this, is, this is funny to read. But there, it's just reading the mind of Jonah. And Jonah rose up to flee from, from, unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What stands out about that? You can't run from the presence of the Lord. But, but I think sometimes we feel that way. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare thereof. And went down into it to go with him into Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Um, I, if you notice how often, and, and I know that a lot of people point this out just because it's so interesting, but it, it says down into the sides of the ship. He went down into Tarsus. He kept going lower and lower and lower. And uh, he, he found this ship to escape. Um, and, and I have to promise you, Satan will always make a way out. He, he will always make a way out. If, if you notice... Uh, whether it's drinking something or avoiding church or getting out of church, or whatever, he puts it in our minds to, a, he, he'll give you a way out. It's easier to face life when you just avoid things. And that's what he's doing. He's not telling God, no, he's just on a ship to go the opposite direction. But the thing is, for Jonah, you think he's going up there and he's only got so much money or whatever. And they said, we're going to Tarshish. Is this enough? Yeah, I got on board. He's probably thinking, wow, God is really opening this door for me. You know, things are really looking up. Man, you know, and we justify things in our mind. It's, it's almost like things are looking up and the, the problem is falling into place. Or maybe God planned for this, uh, for, to lay out this way. And then Jonah goes down in the boat and he falls asleep. But the thing is, we can do things that temporarily pull us out, but they never fix the problem. It never fixes the problem. If you've ever been in a conflict with a, another Christian and you just say, well, I just joined another life group or whatever, it doesn't fix the problem. Just go to another church, it doesn't fix the problem. That escape plan is temporary. It brought temporary comfort, but it didn't bring any, any solution to it. Um, and, and I think, what, what do we do to put different escapes in our life? Um, and I think we justify things a lot of times. We just do. We're good at doing that. Um, I I want you guys to get this as we read this next part. One, that God cares about you. Because God cares about you, he won't let you keep running. Mm. He's just not going to do it. Um, God cares about you and uh, he he might allow that escape to be there temporary, but he's not going to let you stay comfortable in that spot. And Jonah does not stay comfortable. Uh, God cares about you when you get on the wrong path. The the Bible talks about you know who the Lord loves, he chastens. He goes after, he corrects. And it's the same thing that I, I do that with my own kids. I correct them. Do I correct them because I'm, I'm, I'm just a horrible father? No, I correct them because I know I have better for them and I go after them to get their attention. Um, let me show you this. And I think this is so cool. And this really, if, if there was one like, hey, Christians, you've been in church your whole life. You know the story of Jonah. I'm talking to a lot of you that have been there. Uh, can I zone in on this part as for like something that you're saying? I know that Jonah ran from God and all these similar, uh, familiar things that we're doing uh, and studying that are just kind of common thoughts that we have. Zone in on this one right here. God has a creative way of getting our attention. I'm going to tell you right now that God has a way of getting our attention no matter what it is. In life, God uses things to get our attention Uh, have you ever had a negative thought before and you get upset about something and then you just run into a wall or stub your foot and then you go, God, I'm sorry. And you think, well, that was just a coincidence. I don't know. I I mean, I I think God has a way of getting our uh, attention with things. Um, I, I'll tell you a couple of illustrations of this and you can kind of think that I'm crazy, but I'm going to back it up here in a minute. Uh, the, the, the first week when I call these guys up when Logan was diagnosed and I was in the hospital for those first two, three weeks straight, ICU, up in the cancer floor and all that other stuff, it was a crazy week. And then they had everything scheduled that I wasn't going to have to preach. And then I, I called them up and I said, when I get back next Sunday, I want to preach. And I can't remember how many weeks into it, it was, but I just, I needed that outlet. I needed to preach and I was working on things and verses and and I had it uh, uh, on the, the, the mercy of God is new every day and you know how he says his mercies are new every morning. And I had that on my heart of just how every day was just this pinnacle of I can't take another thing or another news. We'd go to bed and then they'd come in and show us something of hope or Logan would have a better day and he slept or just little things like that. And I just experienced just those handfuls of purpose that God was giving us to get us through. So we go back to my office and I'm sitting in my office, and I gave Richard my message title, and it was Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. I don't know how many of you guys remember me yeah. preaching that. It was Dark Clouds, but Deep Mercy. And then I said, I just remember this dark cloud of being in it, but at the mercy of God was so evident. And I left the church, and I stayed late. And I was working on it. I was looking forward to going home and being with Logan, but I was almost out of gas. So I went down to Thornton's, and I'm getting gas. And while I'm pumping gas, a storm was rolling in. And, and I'm telling you, it was this like horrible, like dark, dark storm. I have a picture of this. I just didn't have time to go looking for it because it's somewhere buried in Google Photos about two and a half years ago. Uh, but I'll find it at some point and share it. And while I'm pumping gas, I'm looking at this storm and I look around, and no joke, over the storm, there was a rainbow. Oh. And I kid you not, I am looking at it. It is this dark cloud in this rainbow. And I tell you what, I, if you, you can say what a coincidence. That was, God stood with me at that gas pump in that moment. Yes. God absolutely stood with me because I'm saying something was not typical whatsoever. And it was almost like God whispering me saying, dark clouds, deep mercy. For me to experience that for myself. Uh-huh. And in that moment, I literally like saw God go, Woof, you know, like, <laughs> it was just like, it was just this powerful thing. Verse four, it says, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. So let me ask you guys, who sent out the wind? The Lord. And God did it. I'm fearful, I'm afraid, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna go in the opposite direction, I'm going as far as ways, I'm gonna avoid this, I don't care, I'm gonna get comfortable, I'm gonna zone out. The Lord sent a great wind in the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea and the ship was like to be broken. So I'm going to say some things that are going to make you really uncomfortable. Sometimes in life, when you think that things are absolutely about to fall apart, it could be God doing that. Because I don't think when we think of wind and storms and trials and hurts and things falling apart that we'd sit there and say, that's God. I think we'd say, Satan's fighting hard. But I mean, I think Satan is fighting hard. And, and God, was, God was there in this story as well. God was absolutely there. And the this, this sovereignty of God means that he's absolutely in control. And, and I think that God does things in our lives to get our attention. God does things to wake us up. God does things to show, show us. And he works through physical things in life. I mean, that was a storm. He, God sent a storm in there to, to get his attention. And I think God will send a storm or do things at our job or even in life where he allows things or he does things to get our attention. And and I could tell you a lot of other stories, but you think about this, the example of uh Noah or Noah uh Moses when Moses went before Pharaoh. I, look, think about all the things 10 times over that God did, physically did. Like I'm going to Uh, turn the water to blood and I'm going to bring in the locusts and I'm going to bring in the boils and all that other stuff. That was things physically that God was doing, not only to get their attention, but to get the Israelites' attention. For them to see the redemption of God and the power of God. And it was much greater than all the false gods uh, of the Egyptians up there. It says the ship was now broken, it was or, or likened to be broken, that, that uh, God gives peace, he's the author of peace, but God will also take away that peace in order to get our attention. And uh, it talked about the, the mariners were uh, afraid, these uh, guys that were uh, navigating this ship, they cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that where they were in the ship into the sea and to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay there and was fast asleep. Um, do you know what's crazy about this that I think is, 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 is sad is that he's this prophet of God that should have been the one leading other people to what was right and truth, and yet he was off running from God, not doing it, and, and they were up there not knowing uh, who even to cry out to. Uh, the one that had the answers was sleeping, and I, I think of how often that is with us with God. When we're running from God, then we're not where we should be to be able to be the answer of the people that are, are crying out to false gods because he should have been up there, stop, wait a minute, I worship the one true God. Uh, we, we withhold the hope. And in verse 6, And so the shipmaster called on him and said unto him, uh, What meanest thou, O sleeper, rise? Call upon thy God, if so be that thy God will think upon us that we perish not. But the thing is, and just be honest, no raise of hands, no, no volunteering, no testifying here, whatever. But let me tell you, when you're not right with God, you don't seek God. And that's, true. And that's just the truth. When you're not walking with God or you're living in sin and you're doing the wrong things, you will bow your head to pray and then stop in that moment and go, what am I doing? I'm not, I'm, I'm not even living right. And it's amazing how that sin will break our relationship with us and God. Jonah is not right with God. And they said, everyone to his foe, come and let us cast lots, that we may know whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lots fell upon Jonah. Another thing of God just pointing it out, they wanted help, they wanted peace. And when they said, and then tell us, we pray thee for the cause of this evil upon this. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? And what is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, thy God, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. When the men were exceedingly afraid, he said unto him, why hast thou done this? For the men knew that they fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. It's, it's sad when what we say and what we're doing doesn't match up in life. You know, that's the sad thing about it is like, hey, I worship the one true God and he's, he's the one that made the earth and he made the heavens and he made the sea and he made you and he loves you and he's control of everything and God could stop this in the moment and they're like, then why are you running from him? That's convicting. I, I serve the one true living God but we don't act like it. We don't live like it. Our words don't match our actions um, because he's being led by fear. All of this is by fear about what he thought would happen there rather than what was actually going to happen. Verse 11, They said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the same sea might be calm, calm unto us? And the sea wrought and it was uh, temptuous. Uh, and he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall it be that the sea calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. Why is it that they could not? Who can tell me? Because it was God doing this. Mm-hmm. And I think we try to overpower and outdo and whatever we can. For the sea was wrought and was tempted. Tempu- Say the word for me. That's for that, exactly. Okay. <laughs> but this was God. You cannot fight against God. You are no match for God. And when God wants to get a hold of you, I I think of the same thing uh, of the rooster crowing with Peter. All it was was God getting his attention to get his heart, to get him back on track for what God wanted to do with him. God's not done with this. And I I think sometimes when these things come in our life and we're struggling, we're worn out, we're fearful and all this, God's just waiting for us to give in. It's like when Jacob was wrestling with the angel, wrestling all night until his uh, hip was out of joint. It was just a matter of you're never going to win this. Why are you wrestling? And I don't know who in here, I mean, it's like with our hearts, and I know that we're all Christians, faithful, serving God, going to church. But I can promise you, even in this room, you could be that Jonah that you're wrestling with God about something, and you're miserable. And, and you, there's no peace, and God's not using you, and things aren't falling into place, and you don't know why, just because you're going against God rather than being sensitive to what he's telling you to do. And nothing is ever going to work until we, we, we surrender to God and understand what's happening But then we can see that fear traps us. So they took Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. I think it's cool just because they saw God in that. And I think that the the principle is that that all things work together for good. God can take your mess-ups even though you made a mess. When he was honest and came forth, they were like, okay. And they did it, and they saw the hand of God at work. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and nights. Now, we're at the part everybody knows. It's like this is the part that we uh, paint on the pictures of nurseries and all that other stuff, which is really morbid if you think about it. It's, just like, it's like giving kids nightmares. Um, but don't make this point or miss this point. God will have something of something that's uncomfortable to deliver you to prepare you for what he has next. And this comes from all forms. God could rescue you from a car accident. God God can change your life by you losing your job, by your wife finding something on your computer, your cell phone, or whatever. God has a way of exposing things or delivering you or or getting your attention or turning things around. Because really, this was the reality of God turning him around. I, I think sometimes we live in fear for so long that we feel so stuck, and it puts us in an awful place that we are miserable in life. I see there's a lot. Guys, let me, let me tell you, and, and, and hear my heart when I say this, and I want this to be on the recording for people to hear this. There are some legitimate medical things that happens in life that causes depression and things like that. But I think there's a flip side of it, too, that there's problems that we have, emotional problems in life, just because we're not doing the right thing. And I'm not labeling every mental illness as that whatsoever. I'm not going to say that because there's some legitimate things. But I'm saying a lot of it is self-inflicted. There is no peace of God when you're running from God. There's no peace of God when God's leading you to do something or you're living in fear or you're letting your mind run in a negative direction. It's an awful place to be. Three days, three days that he was in there, but God was telling him "It's it's time to stop running. I have more for you. It's God's going to reboot this. So let me, let me just go back to this verse, and then we're going we're to break. And, and if you notice at the end of your notes, instead of just saying, hey, let's break into groups and pray, I'd like to just discuss this a little bit. Because I think sometimes we don't always make the application, and the application might be different for each one of us. So um, I, I think this is important for us to do. Uh, But the Bible says that God hath not given us a spirit of fear, so we know that it doesn't come from God. Living in fear does not come from God, but God does say that he gives us of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Spirit of fear makes us run from God, but when we tap into who God is, it gives us a spirit of power. A, a, A power that is that dunamis power that the Bible talks about, being able to do more than what you could physically do and of yourself. And it's not just a spirit of fear, but it is a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. It's mental, emotional of God's changing us. The power to know that God can change a situation. And guys, I, I, I know I say this all the time. I, like, I kind of shared this with some of our staff this week. But man, it's easy for something to get in your mind. You can lean from one side to the next. It's, it's whatever you're going to focus on controls your brain. And the Bible says it's either here, you've got the fear, I'm going to promise you it's there. It's because it's drawing a line between one and the other, or it can be a power of love and of sound mind. So I, I've had, uh, in the last couple of weeks, two people that I follow die of cancer. And these, these are kids. And, and I promise you, for, for a dad that's doing it, and they, the one post was, uh, was that the boy already passed a while back, but the post that they posted was of him doing so good. And it was, it was the one-year pop-up of the memory that they had on their cell phone. And it was the mom standing next to their son and saying, Look, at, he's doing so good, and he's so healthy. I'm so proud of my son. This is so exciting to see all that God's doing. And she posted this picture. And they're, they're pastors, and this was their kid. And then I, I, I went to the boys' funeral about six months ago. And so it was this, this mindset that he was doing so good. And then he died six months later. And I think for me, the, the, the mindset is everybody comes up and says, but Logan's doing so good. But I see stuff like that. Where does my mind go? My mind goes, yeah, but it could change. That could be me posting this a year from now after people say that. You say, Pastor Tony, that's the wrong thinking. And look at what God's doing right now. I know that. I know that. But I'm telling you, in our minds, there's a switch that can be this way or this way. And every single one of us have that. Every single one of us. And whatever you're going to live in. And I'm telling you guys, this is me. But every one of of us has something like that. That it's either going to be where you allow your mind to run with that and then, then I start thinking. And that's why the Bible says, think on these things. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pleasant, have a good report." There's a reason for that. Because whatever you allow to run through your brain is what's going to affect your emotions, your feelings, and your feet. And that's what happened with Jonah. It affected his feet where he's running from that. And I don't want to do that. I want to run to the battle. I want to be a David with this. I don't want to be afraid of this. And do I understand what's going to happen? I don't. But right now, I have a choice of how my mind thinks. And, and, and just break it down. Of power. Um, power from God to face the fear of whatever you're dealing with. A, f- a power knowing that God can change the situation. The power to know that God can heal broken relationships. It, it's, it's, it's powerful, but of love. And, and the idea of love is knowing that God knows what's best for us and that God will not lead you to fail, that God loves you enough to help you. And if, if Jonah would have been that way, of uh, they're, they're horrible people, but if God's leading, leading me there, God's not going to lead me there to be sacrificed and, and killed. If God said, I'm going to do something with the people, that's got to consume your thinking. But of a sound mind, uh, a sound mind is literally uh, claiming truth. It's stability. It, it, is, it is calmness. It's, it's, a, it's the voice of reason in our heads rather than entertaining the voice of lies. And if God calls you to do this, it's going to be okay. So here's the takeaways of this. We all are going to struggle with fear. Jonah was not just some sort of rebel that didn't care. He was really would fit in great with, in this group right here with all of us. He, he, was, he was a great guy that loved God, that was a prophet, that had no problem. But when God called him to do something that didn't make sense, his mind went crazy and his feet went crazy as well, running in the opposite direction. And and the thing that we can learn is God will allow things to come into our life because he loves us to get our attention. And some things that we think that God just hates us and and our lives are falling apart like that one car accident or having to go in for tests or losing that job or or whatever it might be could be something that God's doing to put you on a whole other path because he knew that he had to stop you before you made a mess. And when we stop running and get real with God, it's the only time that we're ever going to find rest and peace within our lives.